0: Welcome to another episode of Book Alicious, a podcast where two sisters chat about books we're reading. I'm Chrissy.
1: And I'm Candace.
0: And this is our next episode on um, our book, Elantris by Brandon Sanderson, which is just a really fun name. I don't think we mentioned that last time.
1: Elantris or Sanderson?
0: Both of them, Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> like it just sounds like if you were making a fiction book, like that's a name I would make up for someone. Like honestly.
1: Kind of- It just sounds like a goob name to me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's a quirky kid who's like really nice, but you know, a little different.
1: It just feels like so many syllables
0: (laughs) and they all rhyme. That's why all of his characters rhyme.
1: (laughs) The more I was going through this, I was like, all of these people are like the same. And they all sound the same. I think before we go into this episode, maybe we could just do a quick recap of what we did last time, like what we read last time, maybe kind of review some of our key players again.
0: I like it. Okay. Do you want to start? Um, Why don't you give the quick summary and then I can go over the key players. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, so quick summary is we're in Elantris, Um, one of the main characters, Rayodin. he woke up one morning, he's a prince, and now he's been banished to Elantris, um, and he has to find his way in this new world, he's now dead, his heart has stopped beating. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the other main characters is Serene, who is a princess who is betrothed to Rayodin, but then he unfortunately died before she could meet him, so that was a bummer, but because mm-hmm. of the law, she's actually still married to him and actually still has to move to Aralon. Arleon. 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 So she moved there and now she has to figure out her life in Aralon or whatever it's called. And yeah. uh, she's actually super brilliant and really witty and smart, but um, she has pretended to be dumb in the palace so she can get on the inside scoop of what's going on in the court um, but she's noticed that there's this priest who's come and he's kind of stirring up the place. So she's figuring out what he's up to. Um, and that priest is the other big character. Um, and his name is Harathan. And mm-hmm. Harathen mm-hmm. is on this mission from his god, Jadith to um, convert the whole town of Aralon. I'm, I'm not saying it right. How do you say You're it? You're not.
1: Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying it right. But, like, I'm, I'm not even getting that- the
0: letters right. I think it's Arleon. Arleon. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, so he's been sent on this mission to convert all of Arleon um, in the next three months so that Jadith can return and restore his kingdom of peace on Earth. Yes,
1: I think that's beautiful. Um, So just to go over the key players from last time, just like Chrissy said, our three biggest players where we actually read from their perspective is Ryoden, the Prince, Serene, the princess who was betrothed to him and then Hrathen. And then within that, we have a couple sub characters. So Serene has this little fairy sidekick named Ash and he's super smart and he's lived a hundred years, hundred million years. And he knows a lot of things. Something we made a mistake last time is that Serene has an uncle named Kin. We called him Kay's last time.
0: Oh, yeah, we're getting them confused.
1: Yeah, we were getting them confused. So Ken is the uncle. K's is his daughter.
0: Not really our fault, honestly. They all sound the same.
1: Yes, not to be confused with the city that Serene lives in, which is called K.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by the letter K. B- <laughs> <laughs> the name of everything in the city. <laughs>
1: Yes, brought to you by the letter K. So we have Uncle Kin, and then so since Serene's princess, Kin is the brother to the king from Serene's um, home country. Kin has a wife named Deora. He Deora has two sons from a previous marriage, Aiden and Lucal. Lucal just got married to someone named Jala. And then Kin and Deora have two kids, K's and this other one. He's really not important, but I think his name also starts with a K.
0: He doesn't come up later and like save the whole town. I thought he was going to be the secret weapon that saves everybody.
1: I think you were talking about Aiden, the one who's like mentally. Yeah. Like not smart. That's Aiden. That's who you're talking about? No, no. Aiden is Aiden is not Kin's um, blood son; it's his um, adopted son.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And so Aiden has autism or some some type of you know impediment like that.
0: Right. Okay. But so there's still a chance he could come back and save the whole town.
1: That is, yeah, that could still happen. Um, but Kin and Deora they have two kids together and they're kind of like they call them like twins kind of they're not but they're kind of are and you have Kay's, who's the girl and then you have the other guy and i didn't even bother putting down his name because he's so minor um okay so we have serene we have ash we have kin and his family then we have the king i i Aiden, iadon
0: yeah i think i've been saying it something like that
1: yeah Iodon. So you have the king Iodon. That is Rayodon's dad. Um so that's pretty hide. much it for there. Yep. Then in Elantris, where Rayoden is currently living, which is just a cesspit we have Rayoden, his sidekick, Galodon, who's been living in Elantris and is kind of showing Rayodon around. Um, it's pretty much it for there, and then on Hrathin's side, so he's from a far-off country called Fjordan, and he's coming there to take over the town, like Chrissy said. So you have Hrathin. He is a high-level religious leader called a Jorn, and he has a sidekick named Dilawf, who is a very hateful, mean person who really hates Elantris. And that's pretty much it for now. That's... Those are all the key players that we talked about last time.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So the last chapter we left off on, what was going on there? I honestly kind of forgot. I should have thought about this before I asked.
1: But just, no, that's <laughs> great. Um, are you talking about chapter eight?
0: Yeah. So chapter eight, or maybe I guess we could talk about where we pick up on that also.
1: Is so really- in chapter eight, just to give you a quick summary on that, that was from Serene's perspective. And she was in the court and there's this peasant and he's brought to Iodon. And Iodon's basically like the peasant, he had run away and then he got captured by someone else and became the new person's peasant and then started a family there. So Iodon was like, the peasant man should go back to the original owner because that's his property. But the kids, since they were born on the new plantation, should go live there. And he decided that was the optimal solution, which Chrissy and I are laughing at because that is probably the worst solution. So <laughs> <laughs> well, like
0: the Iodon or however Yeah. I think it's like iodine. Iodon. Yeah, it is like iodine. Okay.
1: So that's how I'm saying it. Iodon. Iodon. Um so then, then that's pretty much it. So Serene's just really She's really unimpressed with Iodon, and that's basically where we left off. So in Chapter 9, the one we're going to start with today, this is from Crathen's perspective.
0: Right. Okay. And so he's having this meeting. He's trying to – so he recently tried to have, like, this big spiel on the wall of Elantris and was like, look, everyone, we – I don't know, we don't like the Elantrins, we need a band together, serve jaded, something mm-hmm. like that. And then Princess um, Serene, Serene, yeah, and she like totally took down his argument and it was like awesome power move. But then he's like, but little does she know, that did nothing because those were just mere peasants. And what I really want to convert is these powerful people. <laughs> <laughs> so chapter nine opens up and he's having this meeting with all these powerful people. and He's like, all right, now these are the people I really need to convince. Um, Yes, we meet a few important people here. One of them is tell Duke Mm -hmm. Um And let's think what what are some other big ideas from here? I wrote down some quotes that stuck out stuck out to me.
1: Yeah, so crap strategy is he's like, if we can get everyone to hate the lanterns, then then I can kind of unite them and then start to direct that hatred and start con- to control the mob basically, and eventually turn them to his religion. That's kind of his strategy. Um, so with Telri, he is the first nobleman that Hrathen is like, if I can flip this guy, I think he's influential enough to where I can start flipping other noble people and once he gets enough of the nobility on his side then he thinks he can put enough pressure on the government to dethrone king iodon and then convert everyone to his religion which would save the town because if he doesn't do that then his people are going to come in and destroy the place
0: right that chapter nine is also where we hear the great quote from Delof, who just has a lot of zingers here. And he said, <laughs> you know, you're trying to convert everyone because Jadith can't come until everyone's converted. Another option is to just kill everyone. So that people who are left are the only ones who believe in Jadith. And he was like, shoot, you're right. But he, he doesn't really want Delof to be right for lots of reasons. <laughs> but Delof, just has this, He's got a rage in him.
1: Diloph has a lot of hatred. And the interesting thing about Diloph is that he's from that country, that town. That's his home.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, there was one line. Okay, this is kind of at the end of the chapter. So maybe we don't want to skip here, but I felt like there was there's a few lines in his whole speech where I was like, this is hilarious. Um, one of them was he, okay, so he's trying to persuade all the people. And one of them is Edon. And Edon, mm-hmm. like a young nobleman, and he was like, why should we believe you? And then Herathon says something. And then Edon was like, oh, okay. And then Herathon was like, oh, it's too easy. Like, he's not important. And then the line says something. <laughs> like, Ignoring Edon, he judged the others. <laughs> <laughs> it's Like, that's great. <laughs> and then there is something at the end where oh, oh, Harathen finishes his whole thing. He's like, all right, guys, have a good day. I hope you enjoyed this. And then Diloph, he says, (laughs) he says, remember Lantris, Diloph hissed from beside Harathen. Do not forget the well of desecration that pollutes our land. They sleep and they wait, clever as always. They wait to capture you, all of you, and drag you into their embrace. You must cleanse the world of them before they cleanse it of you. And then the next line is, there was an uncomfortable moment of silence. (laughs) I just felt like that was a phrase (laughs) that I need to bring into my regular repertoire. (laughs) There's an uncomfortable moment of silence.
1: Oh, I thought you meant the first one. I was like, I don't know how you're going to fit that in anywhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, uncomfortable moment of silence.
1: Oh my God. D how I imagine him is like everyone's normal and they're having a normal conversation. And then there's this like small man in the corner and everything he says is just like this hateful, horrible, like speeches. And everyone's just like okay. Anyway.
0: I <laughs> everyone's like, yeah, everyone's like, don't give him a weapon. He's not well. <laughs> oh my gosh. But he comes up later and people are like, yeah, okay, deal Yeah, you have a good point. And we're
1: like, well. I know, I know. Um he, I think he has some charisma that maybe we can't see because we're only reading it.
0: Some hidden charm.
1: Yes. But basically what's happening here is that Hrathin knows that he can't convince the nobility to believe his religion because they actually want to believe it. They'll only say that they believe it if they get guaranteed money or wealth or something like that um Mm -hmm.
0: yeah one of the quotes i wrote down was uh, he said something like so long as the people he's trying to like band them together against elantris he says and they're like the lanterns don't have power and he said well as long as they have a physical reminder of elantris's might then um they will fear and as long as they fear something more than they fear their king none of you will have any power and that kind of i think goes along with that point but also it reminded me of a line from the office when michael scott is like do i want to be feared or do I want to be loved? He goes, I want them to fear how much they love me. <laughs> and it was like, do you guys want to be feared? Or do you want to be loved? Or is it better to be feared or better to be loved? I want them to fear how much they love him. <laughs> I feel like that's something
1: happened would say with sincerity. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> like he... Yeah, he kind of seems like because everything he's doing in his mind, he's doing for these people because he's trying to save them. And if he has to like stomp on a few skulls on the way, he's like, that's fine. Because it's for like, quote, quote, unquote, the greater
0: good type of thing. Right. Yeah, he seems like very convinced. He's like, I'm actually on a really good mission here. This is my life's purpose. This is the greatest good. Yes. So a couple of the things that
1: I pulled out, I definitely pulled off the line about Delof and Elantris because I was like, cause he's talking about how they sleep and they wait clever as always. And it's like when we're in Elantris, these are all just decrepit dying people trying not to get like a bump or a like a scrape <laughs> because if they do, then it never heals and stuff. So it's like, I don't know, just the thought that they're waiting in the shadows when really they're just these decrepit little corpses I thought was funny. Yeah. Another line that that Hrathen said that I picked out was, I didn't get the first part of it, but basically it was, it was beneficial to have a reputation for honesty, if only so that one could lie at crucial moments.
0: I highlighted that one too. Kind of liked it. Yeah. I thought it was funny. I like that too. Um, It reminded
1: me something our sister-in-law Leah said, she told me a long time ago, where she's like, you kind of only have so much influence on people. And every time you exert your influence, you kind of lose a little bit of it. It's like kind of like a cup. And once you run out of it, now you don't have any more. So kind of like with a lie, if you only lie a little bit, People will believe you. But once you lie too many times, they get onto you and they're like, I can't believe this person anymore. I don't know.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty much it. All that I had for here. The only other part is that when they were talking about how the most desirable and lucrative governmental positions always fell to those who were diligent in their worship of Jadith or Prathans um religion. I was like, this is giving me feelings of Catholic crusades Mm. type of thing. I don't know if that actually happened. And I realized I don't know a lot of history, but it feels like something that would have happened then.
0: It definitely felt like, I I feel like throughout all this, it feels like he's pulling on some things that, you know, we've seen in like Christianity. And like you mentioned last time, he's Mormon, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's like maybe a big part of his life. Um, And I think that, I mean, it's true even in our government today of like, have we ever had a president who wasn't Christian? And we had, was it JFK was Catholic and that was a big thing? I'm like, whoa, he's Catholic and Biden's Catholic, which I mean, I don't think that really came up much. So, I mean, times are kind of- <laughs> not anymore. Yeah, times have changed. But I mean, it's still kind of true of like, and people would align, maybe would align themselves with that religion, even if it's really not that important to them because it's like, just the thought that I am part of this will help me. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, think- I.
1: I think that's a good point. And the other thing too, with all of these religions that are in this book, is basically all they're arguing about is how you should have unity amongst your people. So it it makes sense where it's kind of like if you have unity and like our religion and stuff that creates positive things for you, right? So I think that makes sense. Um, Oh, the other thing that I put is that I highlighted at the heart of every nobleman was an incurable insecurity.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And I feel like when I see people who have lots of money and they have all these things and they should feel really good about it, at the end of the day, these are like the most insecure people that I've ever met. Almost every time. And you're just like, Oh, my God. So I, I just felt like that was a very poignant comment from Sanderson.
0: Yeah, I thought so, too. Um, and I think that also kind of explains later um, when we see, like, noblemen talking about, like, peasants and stuff and, like, always putting someone down. We're, like, that's also mm-hmm. kind of part of it. Of, like, you can't have power unless mm-hmm. there's someone underneath you. And so you need to keep the person underneath you so that you still have power. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's an interesting thing that i thought came up a lot in these few chapters of um like society and if you were to make a society how would you make it mm-hmm. um i thought it was interesting because in each of the characters perspectives like we see a different part of the cycle of a society mm-hmm. and so you see like for and he's trying to tear down a society and kind of bring on this new one Um, But then we see Rayodin in Elantris and he's kind of starting to build his own society and like what choices does he make? Um, And then Serene is trying to come in on this society that's already going on and trying to like save it in the middle of it. Oh my god
1: I love that.
0: Yeah I like yeah I thought that was really interesting.
1: Oh my god smarty pants I never thought of it like that. Mm -hmm. I love that.
0: Yeah I felt like this whole book I think maybe with having the three different perspectives it kind of feels like a cycle and it's like this yeah you know so i think that also kind of contributes to it
1: mm-hmm. yeah i think that's great um the only other comment that i had i keep saying that and then i keep saying more um but this really is the last one is when Rathen was thinking about serene and how she derailed his hate speech on the elantris wall is He said, like any of his kind, he had an unquestioned prejudice when it came to Tiosh people. And I'm imagining he probably has an additional prejudice against women if he's anything like King Iodon. Um, But he also found that even though he thinks that Serene is lesser than him, he was, he like underestimated her basically and i think there's a lot of this theme throughout the book where you have people who think that they're better than others and then they underestimate people cuz they're like they're not as smart they're not they're this they're that and then those people end up one-upping and it ends up being to like their downfall
0: right yeah yeah i feel like that comes up and we may be talked about this last time also, I was, I was thinking of this line. I was like, did we talk about that? Or was this something from Ted Lasso? And I think it's from Ted Lasso. <laughs> what did Ted Lasso say? Ted Lasso, I think, said something like, use your disadvantage to your advantage. But I think actually it was Rebecca who said it. And he's like, I like that. I don't think we said it.
1: But we I didn't did. say it. But I like it, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like it, too. Ted Lasso's a yeah. lot Lasso. We could do a a podcast on him too, but. We probably could. (laughs) We could read the subtitles
1: and call it a book club. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So are we good to close on chapter nine? Yes. Okay. So now we move to chapter 10, which is from Ray Odin's perspective.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're back in Elantris. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is interesting because Elantris has these three gangs that we talked about last time. And yeah. at the beginning of chapter ten, you see Rayodin kind of like step on the toes of these gangs. And when a new person comes into Elantris, he like he took them to be kind of part of his own gang, is what it seems like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I highlighted a few things. One was a quote, and I didn't write what page it's on, but it said um, it's about the peasantry again, and. <gasps> Yes, the peasants. And he says, many of the men in his father's court complained that learning had ruined the peasantry for good work, selectively forgetting that they themselves had been members of the same peasantry a decade earlier. Um, and so it's, I, I think he was talking something about like, they weren't allowed to learn because then it ruins them for work. And so then just like this really like dehumanizing perspective on the, mm-hmm. you know, what they've made the lower class of like, mm-hmm. all you're good for is like working in my garden. But they themselves forgot that 10 years earlier, they were those people.
1: Yes. And how quickly people forget where they came from.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I think it's really important, um, especially as you grow in your life and you start finding successes that you don't look back and look down on people. So I think there's definitely that um, the comment that I wrote for that same quote, cause I highlighted it was rolling up the ladder behind you. Have you ever heard that? No. Well, I might be saying it wrong. So I might be why you don't know it, but basically the idea is like you could imagine that there's a helicopter and they roll down a ladder and you climb the ladder and you have two options. You can reach your hand out and help the next person get onto the ladder or you can roll the ladder up behind you and prevent anyone else from getting onto the helicopter. Mm-hmm. And I think very often people roll up the ladder behind them because they're like, oh, we it's good now, but if we let anyone else in, the helicopter is going to not be able to take off anymore or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that goes back to the... um how do they phrase it? The nobleman has a deep insecurity or something. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if everyone's on the plane, then everyone's on the same level. So exactly. The first one there, then you got to roll up the ladder. So no. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I thought that was a really good quote. Um, I thought Rayodin's like retort back to that thinking though, is that people, Well, I don't even know if this is a retort to that, but I liked what he said where people do a better job when they assume they're important and that you need like a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And that if you can give people hope and a purpose, then their lives will improve.
0: Yeah. Okay. So now that I'm reading through my lines, my notes for this more, I'm realizing I really like this chapter because if we're like thinking back to like the society thing, Odin's like Mm -hmm. starting his own society, and I thought it was interesting because Harathan, when he's trying to get all the noblemen together, he's like using fear and like a common hatred to unite mm-hmm. them, kind of like playing on their insecurities and saying like, "We all need to band together." Blah blah blah. And um, what um, Rayoden does here is he he also kind of plays on their fears a little bit because he's mm-hmm. like, you want to die if you go to the gangs," but he's not really entirely wrong. But anyway, yeah but after that he's like really is empowering people and like is kind of mm-hmm. back their like dignity um mm-hmm. and like giving them a sense of purpose um but i thought that was that was one of the lines i wrote down too was that um Ryodin said the city needs a sense of purpose and galadin says but we're dead what can we do besides suffer and reeden mm-hmm. says that's exactly the problem everyone's convinced that their lives are over just because their hearts stopped beating um but that was just such a good line that like even if you are in such a place where it would be really easy to just like suffer and Mm -hmm. just kind of sit in that suffering and who would have more reason to do that than the Elantrians but Mm -hmm. Rayoden is seeing past that and saying like no actually we can still have a sense of purpose and we can still have hope here Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I really like that too so one of the things that I wrote down is that Rayoden's new like headquarters that he's setting up in Elantris is a Karathi church.
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting because I, well, did that make you think of anything? I don't want to say. Oh, okay, okay. So here's what it made me think of and maybe this is what'll happen, which is why, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, Okay, so I thought that was interesting because it made me think of like, this was Elantris where people became gods and now mm-hmm. maybe the reverse happen where the Elantrians are like really decrepit right now, but they're going to become gods again. Or mm.
1: something like that. I
0: don't know, but it's in a church that so seems significant.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll just keep, we'll keep our eyes and ears pricked that they're in a church. But I did think that that was interesting because it, it seems like this religion is a very, very big theme throughout the book. Right. Yeah. The last note that I had on this is Galadin, so his sidekick to Rayodin. he says, no wonder you're so frustrating. I've spent my entire life trying to avoid royalty, and here I end up with you, burning Dolokin." And so my comment to that is that Galadin had his own prejudice against royalty, but when he knows the person first, Rayodin, he really likes him. And he doesn't have that prejudice. Mm -hmm. So just the idea that when you see people as just normal people and you drop that prejudice, you surprise yourself or they surprise you.
0: Yeah, I like that. I hadn't thought about that. But I mean, Elantris is a good place for that because everyone's on the same level. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yes. So no big updates here, other than Ray Oden now has three new recruits in his club. That's right. basically what I wrote down. Did you um, have any other thoughts?
0: Yeah, I had written down a few other things. One of them was um, so we hear a little bit of Galladin's backstory, which is exciting. Oh I yeah. Gallatin. I think he just seems just seems like a wise old man, mm-hmm. like you'd want on your team. Um, and he says that he was a farmer. But Rayodin and I had this feeling too, doesn't think that's the whole, whole backstory. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of bummed that we didn't really hear more of Galladin's backstory, because I feel like I want to learn more about him. So what do you think his backstory is? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he was um, an Elantrian, like with all the powers. Mm-hmm. He's kind of, I don't know. Maybe he was part of that whole thing. I kind of forget like if they were all destroyed or what, but maybe he mm-hmm. was something there. I really don't know. I don't know, but I want to know.
1: Well, all we do know about Gallatin at this point is that he claims he's a farmer. Rayodin made a comment in the first chapter that you meet him that he seemed a lot more familiar with the city than have only been there for the three or four months that he said that he had been living in the city right and now we know that he hates royalty so those are really the only things that we know
0: that would all be fitting for an elantrian to live there and then the royalty you know Mm -hmm. i think i think we're on to something
1: yeah i think so any other thoughts for chapter 10
0: uh well okay one last thought on ray odin and his like come on guys we can have a sense of purpose again Mm whereas i thought it sounded um kind of like a very like american pull yourself up by your bootstraps thing (laughs) which i was like i don't know i feel about this entirely because on the one hand i'm like yeah find your sense of purpose have hope but on the other hand i'm like but also you're in so much suffering (laughs) can you do that I, like it seemed a little like too idealistic. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. I, the pull
1: yourself up by your bootstraps, it's, it's almost irritating at this point because you're like, okay, I'm, dr- I'm drowning and you throw me a pool noodle and you're like, save yourself. <laughs>
0: pull yourself up by
1: your bootstraps. You're like, but I am physically drowning. I cannot do that. So there's that layer to it. I think when you take it too far where it's like, this is, you're so disconnected, you don't even get it. I think there is a level of maybe you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps and move out of Atlantis and have a normal life again, but maybe we could pull ourselves up a little bit so that we're not like animals
0: right. Yeah, I think that's a good point, yeah, right. And it's coming from someone who's in Atlantris. so. He's very connected. And I—I I, now that you say it, I think that's the key
1: thing with the pull yourself up by your bootstraps is like, it's easy for you to say when you are safely on land and I'm drowning and you throw me the pool noodle. If you're also in the pool and you're like, just like tread, your, just tread water, tread water. Like we can do it. It has a different vibe to it.
0: It's true. Yeah, it's a good point. Mm-hmm. All right. Do we have time for chapter 11?
1: I yeah I think so before we start chapter 11 though I want to just introduce the characters because we Serene's chapters are very complicated because there's so many political groups yeah so this is only Serene with the men right
0: yeah yes Yes. boys so
1: yeah, so what ends up happening with Serene while she's in Arleon is that she basically has two different clubs. She has the Boys Club, and then she has the Women's Circle. And so in this chapter, we're introduced to the Boys Club. And the Boys Club used to be Ray Odin's friend group. But now that he's dead, she's like, I'm going to do it. I'm in charge of the Boys Club now. So... <laughs> The key people that we have, we have Lucal, who is her uncle Kin's adopted son. So he's like an adult. We have Count Eon, uh, and his name is Ian Dell. And you can just remember his name because he's Count Ian Plantation and it's Ian Dell, which is like of Ian.
0: I thought there were two separate characters.
1: Mm-mm. I know, I know that it's how how they do it is like confusing. So then we have Shuden, and he's Jindonese and how he's described is someone who I would think is someone who has like Asian features, but darker skin. And if you remember, Sanderson spent a lot of time in, I think it was South Korea. Yeah. And so a lot of his books will end up having this kind of Asian flavor. Mm-hmm. Then we have Duke Royal, and he is really old and very rich and single. So that's all you need to know. Then you have Count Ahan and he is very fat jolly man. And then we have um Baron of tea plantation Eden. And all you really know about him is that he is very poor and he's going to lose everything in the next three months. Well, that's going to happen in three months here. I know.
0: It's <laughs> tax day and Jadith is coming back. <laughs> he's like, I need to come back before Iodon collects all those taxes. <laughs> so let's move the rapture up by a
1: day (laughs) yeah like i'm gonna get there the day before and then i'm gonna collect the taxes (laughs) okay so do you want to give a summary on the chapter now that i've introduced some of these characters
0: okay yeah so this is all happening at uncle keen's house and serene's like i'm going to join the boys club he's like are you sure we've never really had a woman before that's not really you know what we do here but keen like likes like serene <laughs> so he's like yeah you go girl and then she shows up and everyone's like what are you doing here and she's like i'm here and um and then she kind of has to like you know win favor with all the guys and like show that she's like worthy um and so she has some good lines in there um and at first they're skeptical but then she like wins over royal the old like wise Mm -hmm. guy and then everyone's like okay fine she can stay um there's this one line though where she like gives an idea and they're like that's nice and then they completely ignore it and go on to like Mm -hmm. whatever they're talking about um and she said that i was something like i was invited to the table but i wasn't invited to the discussion oh i know i thought oh that's a good line um, is a good line. but then serene eventually is like no guys i have an idea and then she's able to like say her argument in such a way that she's convincing them um, and it's actually a really good idea of what they should do and also they're trying to overthrow the government we forgot that part
1: oh yeah key <laughs> key <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're meeting
1: to overthrow the government
0: <laughs> forgot that key detail this is treason <laughs> yeah none of them like king iodine (laughs) um and so now serene is like they're new into the court palace um and so she has this idea of what they should do next because they're like should we like go in with force and you know brutally overthrow them and she's like no guys that's dumb because then someone will come in with force and destroy you And so it's kind of this idea again of like, okay, if you're building a society or if you're trying to repair a society, do you go into it with force or do you go into it with fear? Like um, perhaps Mm -hmm. trying to bring down the society or Serene's um, solution is that, no, you go in and like you restore people's dignity and like you empower them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so her solution that she uh, suggests and that eventually they agreed to is that, Um, all the noblemen. So first they're only noble because they have money. And so that's why Mm -hmm. the one guy is really worried because he lost all of his money. And so come Mm -hmm. this next tax season, he's not going to be noble anymore. And so Serene said, okay, all you rich people, you need to actually give your land workers ownership of the land um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, promise them 10% return on whatever money you make. And because they have, because you're, you know, empowering them and like restoring dignity, They'll actually work harder and they'll be happier and it'll just be good for everybody. And like mm-hmm. we're gonna show that this is actually the way to go. Um and that the current system of things that King Ayodun has, you know, put into place isn't working. Yeah. So anyway, so that's the idea that she um that she gives. And they're like, you know, that's actually pretty good. I think we'll do it.
1: Yes. And then they're convinced.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Any other key things or notes you had there?
1: I had a few things. What do you think about Serene in this time? Do you think this is realistic or do you think she just kind of seems too perfect?
0: Um, She's growing on me more. She's still, I, I like her more. Um, Oh, there's one part here. This was a line I wrote down where I was like, mm, um, because when she's like trying to like win them over or whatever, um, one of her reasons that she gives is like, well, I'm married to... Rayoda now, and so mm-hmm. to be here. And she goes, I never knew my husband. At least let me share in his dream. And then um, it says, Royale watches her, measuring her sincerity. He's not to be fooled by mock sentimentality. Eventually he nods and says, I have no problem with her staying. And so that's like the way she's stayed in. But when she said that, I was like, She's definitely not sincere. <laughs> like it sounded so fake. I was like, how'd you fall for this royal? I, I, wrote, I wrote the <laughs> same thing i was like i was reading this
1: i'm like that is so corny
0: <laughs> this is totally fake
1: <laughs> i was like you don't even know this guy you've been talking about how you don't know it. i mean they wrote a few letters and stuff and it's like but that's it so yeah
0: which it does sound like she's like as she's learning more about him she's like you actually maybe really cool and we would have gotten along and so i could see some of that but i was like mm-hmm. too much
1: So, okay. So I noted the same thing. One of my questions that came up in your summary, so they were, so Serene's like, oh, if you give everyone 10% ownership, then everyone's going to be happy. And one of the things that she says is prosperity need not be limited to a small percentage of the population. I was like, okay, that sounds nice. But really what you're saying is that you have these old fat, rich men who I don't even know what they do. It sounds like they do nothing but go to parties and then you have the peasants who do all the work and you're going to give them 10% of the work that they do. I'm like, is that prosperity? It's the first step. And I guess my question is like, what does prosperity mean? Is it everyone having a minimum standard of living? where if you gave the peasants 10%, now they're, you know, have food on the table and they can save a little bit? Or is it about have everyone having like an equal level of living?
0: Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like at least part of the answer is non-monetary, where mm-hmm. it's like, part of it is just having the dignity of like ownership and like getting pay for what you do and respect mm-hmm. and things like that. And that was kind of, more of what I was getting from her argument. Um, I didn't really think as much about like, yeah, that's a good question of like, what does it mean for everyone to prosper financially? Maybe. right, Yeah. So I don't know. Um, Yeah, I did think it was interesting. This wasn't Serene. This was one of the noblemen. um, I guess, I think it was like in response to our idea. Um, mm-hmm. And he says, times were different before the Rayad, which is when Elantris fell. Um, the mm-hmm. land could survive without a peasant class. And I just thought that was interesting because it just sounds like um, a peasant class is necessary for their order of life. And it's like mm-hmm. not questioning the system that's set up. It's just like a statement of fact of how mm-hmm. life is. Well, we need a peasant class to do the work because if they don't do it, who's going to do it? Which, yeah. And so Serene is kind of like, um knocking down the assumption I guess that we need a peasant class
1: yeah I think that's a good point point. one of the lines that I highlighted is one of the noblemen said I found the Arlish peasantry to be a lazy unproductive lot the only way I can get enough work out of them is by force and it's like I feel like these men are the laziest men that yeah. we've been introduced to
0: yeah I know I know but I feel like that's probably honestly I feel like he's drawn on some like reality here probably of like you know you re- I feel like when you have power you assume like oh I'm supposed to have this power versus like I earned this or and worked hard for- I don't know
1: you know there's definitely something to that and in-, in the next chapter that we won't get to today but Krathen does this thing that supposedly no one in his religion can do, but he says, I can do it because I, I have enough self-control and wisdom to do it, but no one else could do it. Only me.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was, there's actually, yeah, I wrote down something with what you just said. Um, oh yeah. I think it's interesting how, um, Sanderson set up this society of like the wealthy get the titles. Um, Mm -hmm. because I don't know, I feel like it's interesting to think about like, okay, what if we literally did that? Because like people with money today have more power, but like, what if they literally just had all the power and like, what would happen if that, Mm -hmm. if that were the case? I
1: would say that that is true, at least in the U S because if you have the money, then you can buy the politicians and you can buy the people, you know? Yeah. Um, let's see. One other thing that I have of note is that Royal, he used to be really good friends with Iodon before he was king. And it sounds like he was part of the dream team and coming up with this society. And now that it's been playing out for the past couple of years, he's realizing like, oops.
0: Right. And he feels bad about it. I don't know if that comes up in this chapter or later one. Yes.
1: He, he does. He says that he feels um,
0: guilt about it. Right. Yeah. Something
1: uh- else I noted is royal. what Royal said to Serene. And he says, Serene, you give us hope again. Rayodin was our unity before. Now you will take his place. And the word unity throughout this book is very important because the reason why there's a split in any of these religions is because of how they believe you should get unity. So the parent religion says you should have unity of of mind. You should all have the same thoughts. Um Serene's religion says that you should have unity through love, which I think shows like a lot of like her compassion for the peasantry and like kind of motivating a lot of her ideas. And then Herathen's religion says that you should have unity by obedience. And so that would make sense why he wants to kind of get everyone in line, even if he has to, like, beat you to do it.
0: Right. Okay. But then
1: Royal says to Serene, you give us hope again. And she's their unity of hope.
0: Oh. Yeah. So this is, like, a new kind of, I don't know, way of life. I don't know. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that now, but it's just something that I noticed
0: right yeah that is really i I hadn't noticed that um there's something else you said that made me think it was a unity of life and then was there another part of the quote or unity of hope
1: wait what what do you say
0: did you have a quote yeah
1: he said you give us hope again Rayodin was our unity before now you will take his place
0: Oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. So I think hope is also interesting there because that was Ray Odin's thing mm-hmm. in Elantris. He's like, we need mm-hmm. to give people hope because now that'll give them a purpose. Yeah. Um, that's kind of interesting that um, Serene and Ray Odin are kind of doing these like parallel things and they're different mm-hmm. places. Yeah. Um, right, because a nobleman, it, I think it comes up later or maybe in this chapter where he says like, you know, I really didn't think any of this was going to work. I was just waiting for all the guys to leave. I will just talk with Keen. Like, yes, like so he was losing hope, but then she's coming and like restoring. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. So then Serene is talking to the men about Rayodin's death, and she says it came at such a convenient time. Iodin has the benefit of an alliance with Tiad, her home country, but now he doesn't have to worry about Rayodin producing any heirs. And then royal says to serene so she's basically implying that Iodin did something to raoden and then royal says to serene something's happened to him king Iodin, over the last few years something that has changed him still i think there remains enough compassion in Iodin to keep him from murdering his own son so my question to you is what do you think
0: Okay, so when you're bringing up this quote again, it made me think of one of my predictions from that we talked about last time, where mm-hmm. I think there was something with the rich class in Arleon and they somehow like sapped the Elantrian's power or something. Mm-hmm. So there's like something like that there, and maybe the king purposefully made his son become an Elantrian somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think that could be, there could be something there. I don't think it was fully an accident.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll keep, again, that's another thing. So we have the church that we're keeping our eyes and ears open for, and now we have maybe something's happening with iodine and him sapping the Elantrian's power.
0: That iodine.
1: Iodine, I know. Yeah. <laughs> So I think this is about where we're going to have to end this time. When we pick up, we'll wrap up chapters 13 and 14.
0: Nice. Wait, I had one last quote. It's really short. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. So a good, a good quote to end this chapter on was the, the rest of the family comes home. And then uh, one of his sons, Lukel, he sighed. Uh, he has to like, clean up the kitchen or something. And it goes Lukel side. He sometimes wished he lived in a traditional household. One with servants, or at least women, to do such things. Uh, just made me laugh. (laughs) That made me laugh, too. Um,
1: There's, you know, I think Sanderson, he loves writing strong female characters. I think he has a lot of admiration for women. And in a lot of the books that he writes, he puts women in, like, a subservient role. And then the women kind of have to overcome it or, you know, surprise people. Mm -hmm. Very rarely does he write a passive, submissive, weak woman, unless they're in like a very like minor
0: role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Good job, Brandon Sanderson. (laughs) Okay. So what are your thoughts up until
1: now about the book? What are you thinking?
0: Okay. Overall. So things are picking up, which is exciting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Really like it. It was helpful to talk last time about all the different peoples and like religions and areas, because that was a lot. And it still kind of is a lot, but I've just decided I'm going to breeze over some of the names and it'll probably stick eventually.
1: Yeah. That's exactly how you have to read up.
0: Yeah. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens next.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, Chrissy is going on a cruise vacation to Alaska, so yeah. I'll see you next time.
0: Yeah, but you're back. Sounds good. Talk about the rest of it. That's it. A few chapters.
1: Okay, book out. <laughs> Peace. I'll never say that again. Okay.
0: <laughs> I <kinda> like it. <laughs> All right, we'll noodle it. <laughs>